passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hello, everybody. It's John Pollock. Welcome back to postwrestling.com. And this is a first, our UFC preview show coming up this Saturday. UFC returning to Madison Square Garden with UFC 230 that has gone through a litany of changes. We will try and make sense of how we have gotten to this card. Only man I could join by tonight to chat about this big card and what's going on in the world of mixed martial arts. You know you love him. Phil Chair Talk, the big Phil combo here with us. On a Tuesday night. It's very rare that I don't talk to you on a Saturday, Phil. Well, I'm honored to be here on any night of the week. So thank you for having me. We have lots to discuss. We're going to be uh, dissecting this card. We're going to go through uh, the main card, some highlights on the undercard. But I did want to discuss uh, an interesting uh, transaction over the past week. I think that's maybe the best way we can label it. And I don't know how often we've ever kicked things off by chatting about one championship, but maybe that is the genius behind this in and of itself, because they have had quite the month acquiring Eddie Alvarez and now former flyweight champion Demetrius Johnson in exchange, allowing Ben Askren out of his contract, and the man is going to be coming out of retirement to fight for the UFC. Uh, starting off with the one championship side of things, Phil, uh, do you feel that this is going to be kind of a push for one championship in North America by getting two very recognizable names uh, onto their product next year? That's an interesting question. I don't really think of it in that regard. I'm not so sure how interested they are in pushing into North America right now. They certainly do have two notable names, two former UFC champions. So maybe that's something that they're interested in. I just see it more as they're just solidifying their brand in Asia. Bringing over Demetrius Johnson makes a lot of sense for them because that appeals to their crowd. They have a a lot of lighter weight fighters. And then having Eddie Alvarez, he's not a heavyweight fighter or anything like that. And he's a marquee name who's been a UFC champion along with a champion in several other promotions. He's fought Conor McGregor. So I just see it more like they're just solidifying their brand uh, and growing. Could that mean that they're going to make a push to North America? Potentially. But it's not like uh, Demetrius Johnson has uh, been a proven uh, big commodity. He's certainly a proven amazing fighter. But from a drawing standpoint, I'm not sure he's going to move the needle for 1FC in North America. How about yourself personally? How much do you follow one, if at all? And is that going to – if you see that Eddie Alvarez is fighting on a Friday morning at 8.30 a.m., will you be downloading that app to check out what what Eddie Alvarez is up to? I don't follow 1FC on a regular basis, but I do follow uh, some of their top fighters. They have been putting on good events uh, for a while. I've watched Ben Askren over there. 
Uh, recently, they've added Gary Tonin, and I, as a jujitsu, as a jujitsu practitioner myself, I'm extremely interested in what he's doing over there. They have Shinya Aoki. Uh, they have very good uh, women fighters. So I do watch what they're doing from time to time. And Demetrius Johnson, in my view, is still the best pound for pound fighter in the world, even though he he did take an L in his last match. So I'm going to be interested in seeing what he does. I, I want to see him fight regardless of where it is. And I'm curious if there's going to be any competition over there for him. I know Horiguchi is over there mm-hmm. and uh, they already did have one match and uh, Demetrius Johnson won that match clearly, but it, it was fairly com- Horiguchi put up a good fight, I guess is what I could say, and he's improved. So I wouldn't mind seeing that rematch. I am interested in what's going on, and if he's fighting frequently enough, uh, I guess I will be paying more attention to 1FC. I think anyone that's followed Ben Askren's career, you've always had that what-if scenario. If he came to the UFC and some of the matchups you could create for them – But I do find it interesting that the UFC was on board with this idea, that it was Ben Askren that was the catalyst for the UFC to do something so unprecedented in their history when it comes to a guy that, regardless of his drawing ability, was someone that they put a lot of stock into and was willing to allow out of his contract because the carrot being dangled was Ben Askren. Did you find that surprising on the UFC's end that this actually got pulled off? It was. It is surprising. Uh, it's unprecedented. We've never seen anything like this before. I think because Ben Askren isn't so much of a household name in uh, North America, like really he's a name for the hardcore, hardcore fans. So uh, – sorry about that. So it's a little bit unusual to – think about what the motivations are for the UFC for this. Um, They certainly can't expect Ben Askren to come in and headline a major pay-per-view and be a huge star right away. But at the same time, they're, they're looking to shake things up. And as he mentioned himself on uh, the Ariel Helwani show this week, fans just want to see new things and him fighting anyone in the UFC is new and exciting. And I know from my uh, perspective as a hardcore MMA geek, I, I, I'm very excited to see him. So maybe that excitement of the hardcores will translate into some casual interest. Was it surprising? Yes, but I'm glad it happened because I'm really curious to see what Ben Askren can do in the UFC. Well, let's look ahead to this Saturday, UFC 230, their third event at Madison Square Garden. This one has gone through numerous changes, and we end up with a main event involving Daniel Cormier and Derek Lewis. I think the best way to categorize this main card, Phil, is that, yes, it could have been better, but as we had dangled in front of us, it could have been a lot worse, too. Kind of, is that your thinking here? This clearly not at the level of the prior Madison Square Garden shows, but... A couple days out, where is your excitement level for this card on Saturday? My excitement level's kind of lukewarm, to be L- perfect. Luke Rockhold warm? <laughs> um, the... Please don't hang up on me already. <laughs> um, I'm always excited to see the best of the best. 
and Daniel Cormier is fighting, and he is among that class. He's somebody who you can make a case for as being one of the top MMA fighters of all time. You can make a case for him being the top pound-for-pound fighter right now. So if he was fighting a nobody, I would get excited about that, and he's certainly not fighting a nobody. But there were some other potential fights that were going to be on this card nate diaz returning was supposed to be on this card and that didn't happen and that's disappointing and he wasn't just returning he was returning against a premier opponent in what was shaping up to be a very exciting fight so that was a disappointment uh there was this talk set one point that valentina shevchenko was going to be on this card um she's not anymore Probably for the better, but I always enjoy watching her. So, and, and there was a lot of rumors leading up to this card over other potential fights. I mean, John Jones was attached to this card at one point. So, in terms of the card that we get, it's a pretty good card. There are definitely some uh, good fights on here, but it doesn't really live up to the Madison Square Garden moniker that we've seen in the past. But that's okay. There, there's enough fights on here for uh, the f- fans to enjoy, I think. You know, in a, I don't see this as likely. The percentage is very tiny, but it's not completely uh, – you can't completely disregard the idea that if a lot of potential fights fall apart for Daniel Cormier, I mean, is there any chance this could be his last fight? If he has this hard deadline of March and John Jones is fighting at the end of December and Brock Lesnar – I'm sorry, I, I could never rely on this guy that, yes, in theory, he is going to fight – Daniel Cormier before he retires, but that is not a fight that is signed. That is not a fight that there's no telling what could happen. But I mean, historically, you just never know because that's the one thing Daniel Cormier has been very adamant about is this hard out when he turns 40 in March. I I do think that that is a real out, give or take maybe a couple months. Um, But even if the Jones fight or the Lesnar fight falls apart, there's still a Stipe rematch out there. There's still a Gustafson rematch out there. Uh, so I do think that there are still marquee fights for him, and he's probably looking to make as much money in this short window as possible. So even if those fights fall apart, I, I don't think this will be his last fight. Well, we've already started talking about the main event. So let's start there on the main card. Uh, Derek Lewis, we just saw him. A couple of weeks ago, a fight that he was being largely outclassed for for 14 and a half minutes and then made this gigantic comeback. And, you know, you could argue Derek Lewis has never been more popular. I don't think you could even argue that he had a ton of momentum coming off of this card and they were able to, you know, salvage a main event, a suitable main event for this card involving Daniel Cormier and Derek Lewis. I don't know too many people that are picking Derek Lewis, but what kind of a fight do you expect from Derek Lewis, so close, removed from his last fight, and a very realistic possibility that this could be a grinding five-round affair. Definitely, that's a realistic possibility. I don't really expect too much out of Derek Lewis in this one because of the way that he fought in his last fight. If he turns away from Daniel Cormier... At any point in this fight, it's going to be a big problem. Daniel Cormier is not going to back off. He's going to butcher him with shots of the body. One thing that could be interesting is if Cormier takes him down and Lewis is able to repeatedly get up. He, he's shown that he's he's very effective at getting up and is very difficult to hold down. That doesn't usually deter 
uh, Daniel Cormier. He will pursue the takedown even if you get up. But if Lewis is able to continue to get up and is able to stretch the fight into some of the later rounds, I think it could be more interesting at that point because, as we've seen in the past, he never loses that one-punch knockout power. So if he's in any way able to frustrate Cormier and is able to just sort of negate the wrestling with good stand-ups, then he's got a chance, maybe. But for the most part, I, I just see this as, as Daniel Cormier going to do what he does best. Yeah. Lewis has, you know, quietly won nine of his last 10. Uh, the lone loss in that whole stretch was to Mark Hunt. But I just think stylistically, this is a really tough matchup for Derek Lewis. I don't fault this guy at all for taking this fight. He is going to make more money in this fight than he's ever done in his entire career. And maybe the only chance he has at a title uh, in his career. So I, I think that this was enough that people look at this as a Suitable main event. It's not a blockbuster main event for Madison Square Garden, but it certainly was uh, better than the alternative. But I think most will be picking the minus 700 favorite Daniel Cormier. Does that, does that entice you to put any money down on the Black Beast, Phil? Kind of. It's a pretty big line. It, line. It, it's these are These are heavyweights. I, I, just even before you told me that line, I'm sort of sitting in, here in my head. I was like – yeah, I pick Daniel Cormier. All signs point to him, but I wouldn't be surprised if Derek Lewis comes away with the KO. Derek Lewis is this is a deserved title shot for him. As you mentioned, he, he's he's won most of his fights. A lot of them have been in spectacular fashion, so I think it's appropriate for him to get a title shot. Ideally, he'd have more opportunity to prepare. But if he did come away with the win, I would not be surprised. And, and minus 700 as a line at heavyweight is kind of crazy. So this might be uh, – he might be a live dog. I don't know. What is, what is he plus – I'm going to guess he's what, plus 450 or something like that he is on the on, other? On a Tuesday night, he is at plus 500 on five okay. times. Okay. So yeah, I mean that that sounds like good value. Do you expect Brock Lesnar to uh, – he is wrestling in Saudi Arabia on Friday – do you see any possibility that the man will make it to Madison Square Garden for Saturday night and essentially set up this fight with the winner? So if he's fighting Friday night in, or wrestling rather Friday night, that's Friday morning in North America. He gets on a plane after that. I mean – His match will be around 4 p.m. Eastern time. So you're really, really cutting it close. I mean – I think he I I it it makes sense for him to be there. It really does. Oh, if definitely. he's if he's if he's still on the USADA program and if he wants this fight, then yeah, he should be there. It it makes perfect sense. It's Madison Square Garden. If I mean it's gonna be easier to get there than it would be to the West Coast. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say yeah, Brock, Brock's there. Here's the caveat. I don't know how much you've been following. Are you aware of the the Roman Reigns situation in the WWE? I just heard that he's uh, no longer uh, – he, he had to take a medical leave because of uh, leukemia. Yes, he has leukemia. So their major star is gone indefinitely. And if you are the WWE and looking at um, a quick fix, 
do you unload an enormous amount for Brock Lesnar's services that they they are able to match whatever the UFC is willing to offer? I, I, that's uh, that's a great question. That's sort of out of my realm of expertise. I would just ask is I, I don't know how big of a star Roman Reigns is. So if if Roman Reigns is really a huge star and they need to fill that void, then sure, Brock Lesnar definitely can do that. Um, but if Roman Reigns is just somebody that they're sort of just putting he's, their... He's their top guy. So, I mean, they're... Brock Lesnar is, is in a situation where the idea of the company uh, just wanting all hands on deck in Roman Reigns' absence is not... Uh, like, it would not stun me if Friday they put the title on Brock Lesnar and they are willing to pay him. Oh, is that a title match? Is yes. It, who's, he, who's he wrestling against? Uh, it is him and Braun Strowman on Friday. Braun Strowman. The only thing is this Brock's not there every day, right? And all these other guys are there every day. No, so He won't be working a full schedule. Um I just – I don't know. It just feels like he could make $10 million for fighting Daniel Cormier in one night. Mm-hmm. And is the Uf, is the WWE going to pay him $10 million? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know the economics of that business that much. So you'd have more insight than me. Well, let's move on down. Chris Weidman originally was going to be fighting Luke Rockhold on this card. I was really anticipating this rematch from December 2015. That was the night that uh, – Chris Weidman, with the the most errant uh, kick of his professional career, was taken down and then just annihilated by Luke Rockhold as he lost his middleweight title and moves his way back here to Madison Square Garden, where he did not have a pleasant outing against Yoel Romero two years ago. And his new opponent is Ronaldo Jacare Souza. Souza is now 38 years old. Uh, he has only gone two and two uh, in the last year and a half, dating back to March of 2017. I think we have seen. A somewhat diminished Souza than the kind of middleweight champion in waiting that I felt he was for quite a stretch in time. Uh, Chris Weidman himself, though, he has not fought since July of last year. That was the Kelvin Gastelum fight. So I think an important fight for both of these men to kind of keep their names uh, among the upper echelon at 185 pounds. Do you like this as a better fight for Chris Weidman or do you see this as a more difficult matchup for him with Luke Rockhold out? Hmm. Uh, I think on paper it's a easier matchup because he's already lost to Luke Rockhold and over the common – although MMA math is a bit odd – over the common, the last common opponent, which is Calvin Gastelum, Chris Weidman looked better than Jacare. Now, Jacare also has a win over Gegard Mousasi, whereas – uh, Weidman recently lost to Gegard Mousasi. So as I just alluded to, the MMA math doesn't work out so well. But I think that because the he had lost so badly to Rockhold, there's a psychological advantage that like that Luke Rockhold may have over him. Whereas here, it's kind of like an even playing field. Um, so in that regard, maybe Jacare is an easier fight, but it, it, it's I, I'm. I don't like to say he's an easier fight. It, it's not something that uh, uh, sits comfortably with me because he's a tremendous fighter. He's an amazing ground fighter. If we saw that when Rockhold got top position on uh, Weidman, it was devastating. And I think Jacare is going to be even more 
effective on the ground if he's able to get him there. I really like this fight a lot. I think I'm actually more excited about this fight than the Luke Rockhold fight. I think you alluded to the fact that Jacques Array never quite has never quite reached his potential in the UFC. There was a lot of thought that he could be a UFC champion. He did have a very close defeat to Yoel Romero that many people thought that he won, and that probably would have given him a title shot. I think at that, that was time. the crossroads of his career. That fight, if it goes a different way, if that fence grab is assessed differently, I think that Jacques Array. I think that's always going to be the the what if fight of his career of if he had beaten Romero that that same the same night that uh, Rockhold beat Weidman. Yeah, yeah, it was that was a that was a huge night in MMA. Uh, so I, I just really like this fight. It's a lot of unknowns to it. It's a very difficult fight to predict. Both guys have not looked fantastic uh, in recent memory. Um, Jacare did get a huge win over Derek Brunson, um, but he had a tough loss to Kevin, Kelvin Gastelum. Weidman had lost three in a row, and they were all pretty brutal. Uh, he did bounce back against Kelvin Gastelum, but there was a that was kind of a size. There was a big size difference in that fight, so a lot of questions going into this one. Very tough fight to pick. Um, and I'm excited for it. It's 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 one of the more exciting fights on the card for me, for sure. Yeah, it's kind of you don't want to say either guy's back is up against the wall, but I would say in terms of staying as a championship contender, it kind of is. Like this is really like Jacare. I think this is a very important fight for him. And conversely, Weidman. I think a loss really derails him at 185 pounds. Well, if if Weidman gets the W. I don't see who Whitaker and Gastelum for the absolutely. I mean, the fact that Gastelum's even fighting Whitaker (laughs) ahead of Weidman is a bit odd. It's not too strange because just of how the way that the matchups have worked in the past, but like, yeah, Weidman pretty much can guarantee himself a title shot right here. So it's a hugely important fight for him. Uh, Jacare, unfortunately he has, a losses to both uh, uh, Gastelum and Whitaker, but he gets a huge win against uh, Weidman here. Maybe he gets a win against Rockhold on Rockhold's return, and then he's definitely uh, deserving of a title shot. He might even get the title shot just by winning this fight. So, because middleweight, there's a, there's not a huge queue of guys. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say that all these guys are fighting for a lot right here. We move down to the uh, – well, we stay in the middleweight division. A lot of middleweight action on this main card. David Branch will be taking on Jared Cannonier. This was a result of uh, fights being moved around to accommodate uh, Chris Weidman. So David Branch finds a new opponent here in Cannonier. This will be Branch's fourth fight in the UFC. He had the loss to Luke Rockhold, then defeated uh, Tiago Santos with a rare – First round stoppage, uh, David Branch dis- dis- uh, dispelling all of the stereotypes people put on him as riding out decisions. And Cannoneer, uh, been on a bit of a rough stretch. He has gone one and three since February of last year, had a loss to Glover Teixeira, then defeated Nick Rorick, and then lost to Jan Blahovich and Dominic Reyes, uh, earlier this year in May. Uh, I guess, not the most attractive matchup on paper here, but nonetheless, uh, David Branch, I think, looked really good in his last outing with uh, 
Tiago Santos. And when you look at this main card, you know, there is, you mentioned not a whole ton of depth at the top of middleweight. There is an opportunity for some guys to break out here. And I would say David Branch is certainly one of those candidates. Definitely. David Branch is a veteran. He has a ton of experience going into this fight. Um, he really only has one loss, significant loss in the last, what, uh, six years, and that was to Luke Rockhold, and there's no shame in losing to Luke Rockhold. So yeah, he's got a great opportunity to make a name for himself on a huge platform. Um, and I'm not willing to write off Jared Cannonier either. Uh, he's somebody who came into the UFC with no real professional experience. He was sort of a part-time fighter. He had some big fights against tough opponents, like they threw him in there with Glover Tejera and he was able to last. Um, and he, I know he's been on the downswing lately, but those fights were also at 205. Now he's going to be at 185. Uh, so I'm, I'm pretty curious as to see what he can do. Um, I still think David Branch should be a significant favorite because of that experience level. But, uh, Jared Cannonier, who's a name that not many people know, is a pretty tough fighter. And uh, I, I am pretty curious for this fight. I, I don't know if it's necessarily main card MSG worthy, whatever that means, but I'm still intrigued by the fight and uh, I am looking forward to it. Well, you know what main card MSG worthy is defined by? Carl Robertson versus Jack Marshman at 185 pounds. That finds its way onto the main card here. Uh, we have... Uh, Robertson, who had a 15-second knockout on Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, then followed that up, defeating Darren Stewart in November of last year, and then got submitted by uh, Cesar Fajera earlier this year in May. Marshman hasn't fought in the last year. Of course, he fought for Cage Warriors, and this will be his fifth fight in the UFC. Last fought against Antonio Carlos Jr., where he was submitted. Um, I don't know if the winner of this fight will necessarily be putting their name into the hat of elite middleweight contenders, but this uh, is a fight. That will take place on the main card. I can confirm that much. <laughs> well, we haven't. We, we we're not there yet, so I wouldn't. I would save your confirmations until right. we, have, we have days to go. I don't know what I'm thinking here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I really had to. I I had not heard of. I didn't recall either of these fighters by name. Uh, I had to look up Carl Robinson. Uh, I don't watch the Tuesday Night Contenders series, so he was totally new to me. And then Jack Marshman. Uh, after I looked him up, I did realize that I had seen him fight. I saw him fight against Antonio Carlos Jr., a fight that he lost. But Antonio Carlos Jr. is pretty awesome. So no shame in that. Um, in terms of being able to judge this fight uh, ahead of time, I really don't have too much insight other than Jack Marshman has a lot of experience, whereas Carl Robertson has very little experience. Um, so... Good luck to him in this one. Uh, but it's an opportunity for one of these guys to stand out and make a name for themselves. So you might not get this opportunity again. So hopefully they make the most of it. And then opening up the main card, I think th this is one of the big fights on the entire card. Derek Brunson versus Israel Adesanya. Another fight at 185 pounds uh, for Brunson. This will be his 15th fight in the UFC. Uh, he's 
kind of been up and down over the last two years. He had the the losses to Robert Whitaker and Anderson Silva, the Silva decision. I think many people had that fight for Brunson, uh, but then came back, defeated Daniel Kelly and Lyoto Machida in 2017, and then came off the stoppage loss to Jacare earlier this year in January. Adesanya undefeated so far in the UFC with wins over Rob Wilkinson in February, Marvin Vittori in April, and Brad Tavares in July. So this is already his fourth fight of 2018. Obviously, one of the big prospects for the UFC. Uh, All eyes are on him here, and I think this is a really big test in Derek Brunson. I totally agree. It's a huge step up in competition. Brad Tavares, a lot of people thought, was a big step up. I was one of those people. I didn't think it was necessarily too big of a step up, but it was certainly going to demonstrate a lot. And he really passed that test with flying colors. Derek Brunson, though, is an even bigger step up. Derek Brunson is somebody who's fought the best of the best. He has wins over uh, a former champion in Lyoto Machida. Uh, as you mentioned, he had a very competitive fight with Anderson Silva, a fight that some people thought he won. And he's been fighting really the best fighters in the world for six years or so. He's, he really finished Robert Whitaker. I think if he had a more yep. disciplined game plan. Like, look at that. Had he had that win on his record over Robert Whitaker? Absolutely. Absolutely. So he, he's super experienced, super athletic. Style-wise, it's an interesting matchup because he's – in the striking department – it looks like it's this fight is tailor-made for Israel Adesanya because Derek Brunson keeps his chin up and he's susceptible to getting hit. But at the same time, he's an exceptional athlete, an exceptional wrestler. So can Israel deal with somebody who's able to put that wrestling pressure on them, uh, especially over three rounds? Uh, I agree that this is one of the most interesting fights of the card. In fact, maybe it's the most interesting fight. Israel Adesanya is one of the most exciting prospects, not just inside of the cage, but outside of the cage. If you hear him in interviews, he's extremely captivating and has a great personality. And if you want to talk about breakout performances, this is this is your opportunity. This is somebody who could make a name for himself, a huge win. I mean, how far away is he from a title shot? I don't think... I mean, he finishes Derek Brunson one more. Maybe you even squeeze him in early. Like, it's not inconceivable in the way that the UFC works right now that he is is near a title shot. He'll be fast tracked if he gets if he gets an impressive win. I mean, they're they're probably going to be throwing him at you know at at the very least a a David Branch if he's victorious, and very likely you know if uh, you've got Whitaker and Gastelum that aren't fighting till next year, trying to entice him to fight a Chris Weidman or something like that's just kind of their style of just throwing guys at the wolves. But I will say that this line, um, we've got Adesanya at a minus three twenty favorite. Brunson is the plus two sixty underdog. I think that line should be a lot closer because I think this is a very winnable fight for Derek Brunson. <laughs> Are you not as high on Brunson? I'm, I, I don't, entirely disagree that it's it's a bit of a high line but i also don't i i do see israel's being the considerable favorite because of 
the way that I see Brunson winning this fight is he has to go out there and for 15 minutes do what he needs to do. Whereas Israel, he only needs a couple minutes here or there. And and if he can just sort of establish a good range early, it, it could be a really bad night for Derek Brunson. Um, I think it's contingent on Brunson's wrestling. Like I think this yeah, is going to be yeah. a wrestling test for Adesanya. Yeah, I if Brunson is prepared to engage in 15 minutes of wrestling and goes after it right away and just does not allow Israel to separate, then he's got it. But his wrestling has never been that style. He's never been a grinding wrestler. He's been an athletic wrestler. He explodes into well-timed takedowns. And it's not to say that those opportunities won't be there, but I just feel like you just have to be constantly – in Israel Adesanya's face, not giving him distance, with the caveat also being that Derek Brunson just has way more MMA experience here. So uh, maybe he's he, he's going to be able to do exploit a lot more subtlety than I can imagine right now. Um, Israel Adesanya does have a ton of fight experience because he has a, a very big kickboxing record. So I don't want to disregard that. But MMA is a different game. And Israel Adesanya has never fought the best of the best. So should the line be closer? Yes, maybe, I guess. <laughs> that, that's a way for me to sit on the fence. Uh, but it's just sort of when I just in pic- when I picture the spheres of influence in this fight – Israel's just seems a, a significantly larger. That doesn't mean it's insurmountable, but it just seems like he, he's got a bit of an easier path to victory. Can you uh, pick one side of the fence or the other and give us your, your five main card picks? For sure. So uh, I'm going to go. Let me just run down the card and make sure I've got the right ones. So starting at the bottom with the fight we just talked about, Derek Brunson versus Israel Adesanya. I'm going to say that Israel Adesanya takes this with a knockout or TKO. I'm going to go with the first round. Look at the specificity. I love it. Uh, Carl Robertson versus Jack Marshman. I'm really picking out of a hat here. Uh, I'm going to go at the edge of their seat waiting for your pick on this one. I'm going to go with Carl Robertson. He, he's, he's young. He's born in the 90s. <laughs> Not that Jack Marshman's much older. He's born in December of 89. So, <laughs> but, Millennials. but, but, uh, Carl Robertson, he, he's very green, at least in the MMA world. So I'm just going to pick him just because he's more of an unknown, I suppose. Uh, then, uh, David Branch versus Jared Kennear. I am going to take David Branch in that one. I just think that the experience level is going to be too high. He's going to be able to find a way to get the W. Chris Weidman versus Jack Ray Souza. This is probably the hardest fight to yeah. pick. Oh, man. This one is just so hard. It's so intriguing. I'm going to go with Weidman. Just, uh, I'm on the fence of this one. Like, there's so many ways I could see this fight going, but. I just it's one of those feel- fights where either Weidman's going to come out and it's going to totally validate your pick or it's going to be won by the second round and you're thinking, why did I make this pick? Like it's one of those fights that could go great for one guy or terrible. But I'm leaning Weidman as well in this fight. I just – if this was three years ago, I'm picking Sosa all day. But I feel that Sosa, 
He's looked slower in his last two fights, and I just feel that Weidman is... I also feel that Weidman, I'm always concerned, what did this guy do to himself during his camp? How healthy is he for this fight? And I feel that if this guy were being held together by by glue, when Rockhold fell out, that would have been his his exit from this card. So I'm going with the idea that this is a healthy Chris Weidman, and we're going to get a strong performance from him. I sort of have a similar sentiment about Chris Weidman, but it's not even based on his his fight camp. It's just his his last three losses and even the loss to or the win over um uh Gastelum it was not like some walkthrough he he was the clear winner he got a finish but Gastelum had his moments in that fight and the losses that Wyman had were just some of the most brutal like so I just feel like he may have more mileage on him than Jacare so that's that's really where my big question is. I think if if Weidman is firing on all cylinders, I pick him. But if 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 he's a little bit slow or tentative, then I think Jacare has an opportunity to exploit that. Tough tough to pick, but I'm gonna pick Weidman by a decision, two rounds to one. And main event, you got Lewis, new champion, <laughs> challenges Brock Lesnar. Uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, I, I'm gonna pick Daniel Cormier with a first round TKO. I think, I think he's just gonna put the pressure on him, and I think that Derek Lewis is gonna turn his back to him, and it's it's that will be the end of it. It will be a fatal mistake. Cormier will not relent, and um, we will be reminded at how good Daniel Cormier is. Just a quick look here at the undercard. Uh, fight pass opens up with Adam Wizorek against Marcos Rogerio de Lima at heavyweight. Uh, bantamweights Brian Kelleher and Montel Jackson will be taking on one another. Shane Burgos taking on Kurt Hollibaugh. Lando Venata headlines fight pass against Matt Frivola at 155 pounds. Then on to the prelims on television, Lyman Good and Ben Saunders, which could be a really fun fight between those two at 170. Julio Arce against Shaman Marias. Uh, Sajara Eubanks, who at one time was headlining this card, taking on Roxanne Modafferi, the woman that replaced her in the finals of uh, the Ultimate Fighter season where uh, Sajara Eubanks was to fight Nico Montano for the flyweight title. And then headlining the prelims, Jason Knight, who is in desperate need of a win, taking on Jordan Rinaldi at 145 pounds. Uh, We can just finish off. Phil, is there anything that jumps out at you on the undercard that has your interest? Yeah, just sort of three things to talk about. So uh, Shane Burgos is on this card. He has looked promising. He did lose his last fight against Calvin Cater. But uh, leading up to that, he he's just has a very unique, uh, exciting style. Uh, and Calvin Cater is no slouch. So losing to him is is there's no shame in that. Uh, he's just a very exciting striker. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing him try to bounce back off of the first loss of his career. Uh, Lando Venata is on this card. Lando Venata has kind of been thrown to the wolves in his UFC career. His first fight was against Tony Ferguson on like four days notice or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's a very exciting striker. He's never really been able to put it together in the UFC. Um, I don't know his opponent, but I'm always excited to watch him fight, so hopefully he's able to give a good performance. And then, yeah, Sijara Eubanks versus Roxanne Modafferi. Sijara, the person that nobody knew 
No one knew who this person was going into this card. She was, as you mentioned, at one point, the headliner. Uh, that got canceled. She did a great job of screaming at the top of her lungs about it. She got put on this card. She got put on this card against a recognizable name, a veteran in women's MMA. So uh, Sajara Eubanks, now's your chance. Like, go out there, prove yourself get a big win and you will get that title shot because there's not a big queue at the 125 pound division. So put your money where your mouth is and let's see you step up and perform. So that is UFC 230 going down Saturday night. Uh, Phil and I will be joined by Ziggy on Saturday night. We will be chatting about uh, whether or not we have a new heavyweight champion to discuss and who knows, maybe we'll get a brawl at Madison Square Garden we can never predict what is going to happen to uh, – there will be much to talk about regardless. Definitely, and uh, I'm glad that we're over now because, John, I can't sit here anymore because my balls is hot. We'll chat with you on Saturday, everybody. Good night. <laughs>